0: welcome back before we get started with this week's episode if you haven't got a chance to listen to our third episode of the short go with Haley kinzel head on over to patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com or download their app on your phone and search the money barrel for five dollars a month the cost of a single exhibition you'll gain access to our subscriber only content the short go At the airing of this episode, we have short-go episodes with Haley Kinzel, Molly Otto, and Amanda Welsh available. You'll also gain access to extended episodes with a lot of our Season 2 guests and more. Visit the Patreon app and search The Money Barrel. This week, we got to talk with Donna K. Rule. Donna K. spent her life training and selling her winners. But when High Valor came into her barn, he changed that. Now a three-time NFR qualifier riding an AQHA Horse of the Year, Donna K. is a true cowgirl that anyone can look up to. We can't wait to see these two return to Vegas, and they are ready to make up for lost time of the 2020 season, coming off a recent WPRA Finals Championship. This week's episode is brought to you by Top Hand Brand Boots. Top Hand Brand Boots are designed for real-life use. They aren't just another protective boot for your horse. They are a better boot, affordable, and innovative. Top Hand Brand Boots are designed to keep the legs cooler than other boots, to prevent gaps from allowing dirt in, and are made with Velcro made to last, yet are still easy to remove. Their cutout ankle design keeps bell boots from interfering with the boot, yet are still offering full protection. Most importantly, Top Hand Brand boots are designed by rodeo parents and competitors. They know what horses need and want your horse to have the best protection while still offering boots at a price point that is affordable. You can find out more about Top Hand Brand online at tophandbrand.com, on Facebook and Instagram at Top Hand Brand, or on the App Store at Tophandbrand. Brand. Use the code MONEYBARREL to save 20% on their boots and bell boots, a huge savings to you. All right, Kayla, take it away. Donna Kay, you're up. This is The Money Barrel.
1: All right, tonight we are getting the chance to talk to Donna Kay Rule. We've tried to do this before, but we had some technology issues, so thanks for working with me and uh, joining us again. Oh, yeah, I'm glad to do it. So we are only like 24 days away from the finals. How are you feeling?
2: Oh, I'm I'm uh, I'm excited and nervous and uh ready and not ready and <laughs> can't wait to be there and oh gosh not yet and all all of the things. <laughs>
1: Are you, what are you doing to get ready? Like this time of year, there's not a whole lot to go to. Um, are you going to WPRA finals or, or how are you prepping with only a couple weeks left?
2: Oh yeah, I definitely am going to the WPRA finals. Um, I love Waco and I'm very appreciative of their ground crew. And, uh, it's a good confidence around there because, uh, David and all those guys, they, they try to make it right. So it you can count on the ground and then you can set your horse up for the best you can and uh went last weekend to uh a race in oklahoma and tried to figure out where i was valor's been off for about six weeks just just not off but not running barrels and uh you know what? it wasn't a great run so um his timing my timing was a little bit off and we've been to the vet and you know trying to make sure we've Cross the T's and out of the eyes, and and do all, all we can do before we get there.
1: When will you actually leave for Vegas? I'll
2: probably leave the day after Thanksgiving and go part way. For us, it's 22 hours, so we'll cut uh, pet, pet along and let him out and stop and rest overnight, and then finish the the second day. Probably, I'll probably
1: do it in two days. And do you stay on site or do you stay off site with him? Oh. I live in a little bitty town that has one
2: stop sign and Farmer Jones comes through there at ten AM and runs a stop sign every Thursday, so you you're supposed to know that and you know, so that's my traffic issue. So for me, uh I'll stay on because I can't I it panics me a little bit to drive through that traffic.
1: Yeah, you know, we uh I helped Kathy Grimes in twenty seventeen and she stayed off site, and yeah, driving in there every day with your big trailer and everything—it's—it's it's a lot. I don't—I don't blame you.
2: Oh my word! And having to do it twice a day, and then uh, you know we'll have a practice a- available to us, and I don't know what days for sure now. The um, in uh, nineteen we did it twice. It you know, we did it every day, but I don't know what they have for us this co- current year, but. If you had to go there in the morning and then you had to be there by 2.30 or so in the afternoon because it's an earlier perf, you know, it's silly for me to drive back and forth that many times. It'll stress me out so much, and I'm I'm sure it has to affect my horse.
1: Yeah, so does Valor do well in stalls and everything, or, like, how does he normally stay at home?
2: Valor loves his stall. He he goes out and plays and does his whole thing. He's up at night and then out during the day. But he comes in, he'll go out and play and fool around after he eats in the morning. But he'll come stand in his stall and, and just stick his head out the door and just watch the world go by till the end of the day. He, he likes his stall. So stalling for him is good. I'm um, going to stay on site. Uh, I'll need to get him out a little bit. At the end of the time, it does get a little bit... Uh, you need some more airflow in there, but I think the whole Las Vegas air is uh, a little suspect anyway. So <laughs> not for sure on site or off site
1: is any different with the air. You're probably right about that. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about twenty twenty one. I mean, you've been rodeoing full time for a couple years now, so how did you approach this year and you know, kinda walk us through your third qualification?
2: Oh, I was predetermined determined for 2021 to, for, to make the cut since they didn't let me play in 2020. So, um, it was good. It was, it was so many good horses. I, I, you know, the reason we all enter is that we want to win first and, um, sometimes you don't, sometimes you don't place at all, but wow, the quality of the horses was incredible. I, I so much enjoyed that, but we, uh, me and Valor and Rosie the Rodeo Dog, we just reloaded up and, and went to everything. We got stuck in the, in the ice storm early in the year and got stuck in Belleville, Texas for six days. And uh, ended up doing well at San Angelo and uh, did well at San Antonio. So, you know, it was pretty inspirational to make us fly a fire and, and go on ahead and go for the summer run.
1: So, before we get into the summer run, I was gonna talk about it a little bit later, but you already brought it up. The 2020 NFR, one of the most questions we've gotten asked to ask you is, I mean, basically, how did you overcome that? Like, that whole situation, I'm sure everybody listening um, saw the video that you had posted, you know, after a couple days, basically calling off the Facebook, you know, rants and everything, and, I just thought you handled it, at least from afar, with just such grace for what a terrible situation you had had to go through. So how did you use that, I guess, like you said, to light your fire and to kind of overcome that?
2: Well, you know, I I am human. There's no doubt about it. It it was awful. It was a a gut punch. There's no doubt about it. I never dreamed that that would happen to me. I took the test. I was, like, completely fine. I, I tested a week prior uh, at a local level, no no COVID, um, no problem, pulled in there, got in, got tested, uh, waited around for six or eight hours, you know, got our horses put up, got our stuff in the hotel, and I went back and got the call and said, you've you tested positive. Well, yeah, it was... Uh, It was pretty rough. I mean, no doubt about it. But what we have to understand here is that um, we all knew, if you tested positive, they would invite you to go home. Um, Did I want to go home? Heck fire. No, I did not want to go home. I wanted to take Valor to a big open arena where I could set him up for a great run and and let him make a run instead of a a tiny thing where I just had to hope it worked. yeah, I was bummed, but, you know, we knew and uh, I'm very grateful to those that that stepped up and tried to put the thing on in, in the crummiest situation you could possibly have. And, you know, really, y'all, we uh, we had a pandemic and there's not anybody that can say, well, the last time we had a pandemic, we did dot, dot, dot. Nobody knew.
1: Yeah, everybody was just kind of... We didn't know. ...trying.
2: So, it was awful. Yes, ma'am. It was 100% awful. I never want to experience that again. They're not kicking me out of this one. I don't care what happens. I'm coming, by golly. But, uh, but you know, and, and I, I went home, and I shut everything down. I didn't watch any of it. I was done with it. Um, understood that was the way it was going to be, if that's what happened to you. And, and... I just wanted—I wanted my horse to to be shown who he was, and um, you know he's a great horse. There's a lot of great horses. He's not the only one, but uh, I wanted—I wanted to go on and, and do well with him. So to answer your question, we just we closed the, we closed the garage door and went on to the next thing.
1: Yeah, I, I was going to say you probably—I mean nobody probably ever really even gets over that, but like you said, you came back with a vengeance. You, you're here for 2021 and he's going to get his chance now.
2: Yeah. Well, and you know, I'm not, I'm not young. You know, I don't have a lot of years left. So, you know, for me, you know, I better just grab my bootstraps and pull my boots on and drag my britches up and, and get on with it or get over it. That's what I need to do.
1: Well, it looks like you did that. It looks like you did that. Cause you guys had a great year. Um, you mentioned that it's just you, Valor, and Rosie, the rodeo dog. Is that all you, all you travel with?
2: Yeah. Yep, that's what I did. Yeah. You know, I, you spend your whole life, you know, riding lots of horses. And, and for us, you know, my family, the situation we had, I, I had to sell the good ones to, to fund our lives and, and fund my family. And um, so I didn't really get to go, and I, I wasn't about to leave my family. And now that my family's grown up and my husband has other obligations that don't require my help as much, you know, it was okay for me to just jump in and and head out. And my goodness sake, I, I, who knew I would have this horse at this age in my life? So yeah, what a, what a great individual and, you know, just completely lucky, blessed, whatever you want to call it. Here we go at this point. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so how do you plan your traveling schedule since you're by yourself obviously you don't have somebody to do all these all-night drives with you only have one horse so you can't enter every single rodeo that's um you know out there so what do you do to make the schedule i guess work for for you and valor
2: you know i i am uh, aware of my limitations i um, have no doubt about my horse's ability or or you know, I'm, I just certainly don't want to sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but I, I don't doubt my ability. But I know my limitations, and I cannot drive overnight. So uh, my drive times are are X between X, and um, then I got to rest. And uh, he seems to do well with that, and uh, I I just set him up to to make the most successful run for him. And, and I need to be I need to be together. I need to eat good. And I need to did not drive overnight so that was kind of my criteria and if i can't make it i'm gonna have to turn out or if they draw me up when i can't make it i'm gonna have to turn out and i tried really hard to not do that
1: when you when you approach the summer run um in july 4th and stuff are there just certain rodeos that you know now that you and valor do well at so you kind of go around those or um you know i've talked to a couple other girls that they started approaching entering a little bit differently because of, you know, the draw kind of matters now when there's so many talented horses that they would enter rodeos that they knew they may not go to, but they kind of based it based on when they got up and drew better. So how do you, how did you approach, you know, planning your schedule out? Well,
2: you know, I, I know there's an art to that. Many, many talked to me about that, Um mine is mileage and um you know I, I try to set it up for success so that i can be as fresh as i can be and he can be as fresh as he can be um i, I rarely enter those that i think i might not go to I, and I, I don't i wouldn't ever single anybody out i don't want anybody to feel bad about it but it makes me feel bad if i enter and can't go or uh the releases where, there's, where you take that money out that bothers me i would i would try not to do that to release and um doctor release you know and whether money doesn't go in the pot so if i enter I, I have every intention of going and there's there's some of those arenas where um you just have to be smart about you know okay so this one's really really deep so i need to really send him in there you know pass the barrel and hold him in the rut and bring him through the turn or it's really really firm and i got to set him up and you know, put the brakes on a little bit early and, and let them get through the turn. Um, you know, some of those things come into effect, too, maybe a little more than enter and don't go. You know, that, that kind of bothers me, honestly. I, I, I don't like to do that. I'd rather, I'd rather enter and go if I could.
1: That makes sense, and it probably makes entering a bit more straightforward. Like, you know you're going to enter here. That's where you're going to go you know where you have to drive from there, probably leaves it a little less to chance as far as like your schedule.
2: For sure, for sure, yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I, everything's black and white with me, you know, and, and there, there's gonna be a gray area that you cannot control, but, um, but I, I try to set it up the best I can for he and myself to, to uh, get there in time and to perform what we can do at, you know, in those conditions.
1: Do you listen to any books or music or podcasts to help you pass the time or what do you do while you're driving?
2: Oh, I am driving I just drive. I used to leave the radio off the windows down and um just enjoy the moment, you know. People this is this is an entirely incredible gift at this point in my life. You know, I just you know, a, it sounds weird and it sounds a little pretty flowery, but you know, shoot, here I am, nearly 64 years old, 30 days short of 64 years old, and, you know, who knew, after all this time of working at it, that I'd get to do this, it's just, uh, it's just a gift, it just makes me smile, and I know, I know where it comes from, so, uh, you know, I try to, I try to enjoy that, but I do listen to a few podcasts and stuff, but mostly, um, something historical, or, um, Something I can learn from, you know, there's a lot of great horsemen out there, regardless of whether they're rodeo people or working cow people. Um, a lot of stuff you can learn, you know, and I, I always feel like maybe I won't know as much as I want to, but by the time I'm done, I, I need no more.
1: You know, I love that. I love that you said that. I don't think it sounds flowery, because I do think, and I am really bad about this, I always am doing something or listening to something or talking to somebody and so, just enjoying where you're going and like having fun while you're going there is a really good insight to keep in mind
2: yeah it's it's a lot of things you know as you get older, you realize the importance of that. you know when I was young, everything was planned down to the minute. you know I had two kids and they were in private school, and I had a business, and I had a husband and I still have the husband. I still have the kids. But <laughs> I, I, I don't have the obligations I did, but uh, you know, we had our store, and we had our people, and, and everything mattered. And this is this is the gift for you know the, the sticking to it when you had to. This is the gift you get when it's over. I think.
1: Yeah, I love that. I I really do, and I think I think everybody can take away something from that no matter what is that like you just gotta enjoy what you're doing because sometimes it's not very fun and sometimes no. you may not think that you're ever going to get to where you want to go and so when you finally you know are living it then you gotta enjoy every part of it not not just the 15 seconds being in the arena
2: oh yeah you know and sometimes you go there and you rode bad the ground was bad your horse stumbled. he was a banana brain the Stagecoach scared him whatever. And he lost his mind. And, you know, it was just, you felt like you were the dumbest individual ever to go to that rodeo. And, you know, you just walk back to the trailer and you have to realize, Man, you're good. It's okay. You just got to fix it and the next one will be better. Just, just let it go. The best thing you can have in this industry is a crummy memory.
1: <laughs> that's, that's excellent <laughs> advice as well. Um <laughs> So tell us a little bit about your family. I, I'm sure your story's been out there before. Um, you know, a lot of our listeners may already know it. But for those that don't, um, you know, you've already said that you usually sell these good horses. Valor's the first one you really got to keep. So tell us a little bit about, you know, how how you grew up and how you got to be where you are today.
2: Well, my dad was a, a rodeo guy and, and team roper and... Um, road bulls in bronx as a young man and um he he worked all week and and was a construction worker and he'd come home friday evenings and we'd just load up and off we'd go to whatever we whatever we were into the horse show or the roping or whatever and uh, and when i i uh, grew up and married john rule i i had worked for billy perrin in antlers oklahoma and um Billy taught me some incredible stuff. His daughter won the world in 1977, and um, he and Dale Urey and all of those guys were uh, the greatest horse trainers ever of their era, so I learned a lot from those guys. And uh, John and I got married in 1980 and uh, bought the saddle shop. We had a a national saddlery in the Oklahoma City Stockyards for 30 years. Um, John is a saddle maker, and we made the world champion saddles for ten years for the PRCA. Uh, five of those years, we made both IPRA and PRCA rodeo uh, world champion saddles. So that was, we were busy. We we didn't have time to run off and load up and drive to Idaho. You know, I, we had to stay home to work. So, um, but I always rode horses, and I, I did the all girl rodeo thing, and uh, always had outside horses. I went to the all-girl rodeo finals in uh, WRA then it was called PWRA. I went there nine times in, in multiple events and uh, you know I just kept Colts going and uh, I'd buy one in the fall and train it and sell it in spring and then I would pay my kids tuition for their, their private school and you know just, just life. You just did life first and then it was my turn to go ahead and go.
1: What was it about Valor that you were like, we're, we're not selling this horse. He's, or, or we're buying this horse. Cause weren't you selling, or weren't you training him for somebody else at the time?
2: Well, actually, um, I had, uh, I had bred a mare before Judd Little, uh, put JL Dash to Heaven out on the public. He, I had a really nice, uh, on the money red mare, um and i wanted to breed her uh, she was not sound so i decided i'd breed her and he said well breed her this horse i think he's gonna be somebody so I, I bred her to uh to that to jail dash to heaven and, and boy she was a dandy it was a nice little filly and uh got her going what have you and uh judd fell in love with her you know as the years went by and she was a two or three year old i can't remember exactly but he said donkey i want to buy that horse and uh so, anyway, talk, talk, talk. I ended up selling that horse back to him, and I didn't have a project horse. In the interim, I had Juice, um, who was doing really good and, and kind of doing well in the prey circuit. And uh, But I bought, I had called Plan American and said, What have you got for colts? And she said, Well, I've got a really nice colt I'd save myself. But I, um, you know, with all that's going on with our. Uh, breeding operation and what have you. She said, I'm going to run him, you know, ride him two weeks, gone two weeks, home three weeks, gone a month, whatever. She said, if you want to buy him, come look at him, see if you like him. And if uh, you ride him and, and don't like him, well, you just promise me you won't sell me anybody else and uh, sell him back to me or, or just buy him. Well, fiddle, I went down there and looked at that thing. And he was beautiful. He was he was the picture of what you want in an athlete. And I didn't even get on him, I just bought
1: him. You knew just by his looks that he was special
2: Oh yeah. Well and I knew that um, I knew he had all the all the things that you hope for visually and of course you never know mentally until you ride him a couple of years. But he, he had he had the, the look. He definitely had the athletic look.
1: How old was he at that point?
2: He was just uh, late in his four year old year
1: okay, so just, was he started on the pattern
2: or anything? No, he no, he was just a broke gilding, just a broke gilding. he was a honestly he was overfed and under road, you know, based on and she told me that I mean if she didn't she didn't hide any of that stuff, she knew and because uh, Lana had been in the n f r on Scotty Bar. And I mean, she definitely had an eye for a great horse, and she, she said, This is a great one. I just think he is. I just have a good feeling about him. And uh, But he was a toot when I got him. Gosh, sakes alive. I told John Rule one time when I come back in from riding him after a week of him being here, I said, John, I'm telling you, if I hadn't rode one of your saddles today on Valor, I'd have pulled the horn out of anything else. That son of a gun wants to buck and scatter. <laughs> He was difficult. Yep. It was a tough one in the beginning.
1: So, I mean, how like how long did it take before he started kind of showing you that? Or did, could you just feel that he had it, even though maybe mentally he was a little bit all over the place?
2: Oh, he had the power and he had the athleticism, without a doubt, from the beginning, just watching him run around in the pasture having fun. Um, but, you know, of course... You know, and I've said it a hundred times, there is some great trainers and wonderful horsewomen that, uh, that never get the whole package. You know, they, they train one and he's, he's really good and he's really an athlete. Or they train one and he can really turn the first barrel, but he messes up the second barrel. Or you, they train one and he goes the road and he can't take the road and he gets ulcers or whatever. This horse had, he had everything. He has a whole package.
1: So you know, tell us how you like brought him along through his training and how you kind of, you know, helped overcome that.
2: Well, he was, he was tough. As I said, he was tough in the beginning. Um, and I would just, wherever I went, he went. Uh, if I went to Jackpot, he had stands trailer. Or oh, I would, you know, make a run and then I would stay, you know, an extra hour and just ride him in the alley or uh, I might walk him through the pattern or whatever, you know. I think in the wrong hands, um, a horse that's bred like him could be fried pretty easy because he's, he's pretty racy bred. Um, but that's what I did. I just went slow with him. And uh, honestly, I, I didn't know if I could stay with him. When he added the speed, the power, and the afterburners, I wasn't 100% sure if I could drop down with him and, and ride him out on the turn because he's that powerful. But um, I don't know. Somehow it worked out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clearly clearly you can. When did you start taking him to barrel races? Because um, you got him when he was four. And I'm assuming you didn't faturity him with his kind of no, goofiness.
2: <laughs> no, I didn't faturity. I'm not a faturity fan. It's not my thing. I, well, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of those that do well at it. That's, that's not what I meant. I don't do well at it. Um, uh, you know, in fact, talking about Judd Little, you know, on that Philly I sold him, he was like, he called me a couple of weeks later. And he said, Don K, okay, why don't, why aren't you riding horses for me? And, uh, this Philly's really, really broke. I really, really like her. And I'm like, Jud, if we're not on the same page, I, if they're not ready, I do not, I do not press. And that's how you live. You press. And I said, if we want to stay friends, I will not ride for you. So, basically, that's, that's how Valor was, you know, I, he wasn't ready mentally, if I'd have pressed him, I'd have probably blowed his head plumb off his body, but um, slow and steady and confidence and, um, you know, if I went to a jackpot with Juice and I would exhibition Valor and let him see the sights and loping him through and let him know he's okay and, you know, just, just bring him along slow.
1: I like that you bring that up because obviously we have all kinds of guests on the podcast. Um, fraternity trainers, rodeo girls, people that don't train for themselves and, you know, kind of everything in between. Um, you know, so, so when you brought him along and did start to enter him, I mean, did you just take him to the jackpots? Did you, you know, how long before I guess you started entering him at the rodeos?
2: Well, I'd say we spent most of that, you know, it was October of his four-year-old year when I got him. So I spent six or eight months just figuring out who he was and figuring out what he needed. And, you know, the balance of that year, of his five-year-old year, just just riding him and, and horsemanship and just stuff. You know, we have a cattle ranch, so we, we pushed cows around and did stuff on him. And, um, you know... During that time, I was going rodeoing with Juice and he would go and see the sides and the flags and the drill team and the whole to-do. So maybe in a six-year-old year, and I, and I don't know that 100%, but uh, I know I didn't do much with him the first year as far as entering. Um, I can't remember what year, I want to say it was 2017, that I really kind of started asking for more. Um, and I think I've told the story a time or two about going to Waco to a D and G barrel race. And I thought, well, Phil, I'm just going to load up and take both of them and off we'll go and we'll have a fun time. Me and the dogs and the horses and we'll go. And I went to look at the draw and golly, oh, I was like, it was like who's who of the whole barrel racing industry was at Waco. I thought, well, you know, this will be the time. I'm going to just drop the hammer and, and just see what my training has done. And, uh, he ended up winning all three rounds that weekend, and Juice was second. So it was really cool. Oh, and, cool. Uh, oh, my gosh. It was incredible. I, I was pretty choked up. I called John the rule on the way, you know, and it, I was like, oh, my gosh, John, I won all three rounds. You know, I was like, I can't even believe what I'm saying is so.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, on your colt, not even on, you oh. know, your so-called good horse. He was on the 18, baby. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. And Now I always knew that Juice could outturn a lot of horses, and I always knew he couldn't outrun a lot of horses. But Valor thankfully had both. He could he could turn and run. So, so that was pretty cool.
1: When you started taking him more to the rodeos, I mean, obviously you've been with him for a couple of years, so you knew him. But did you? I mean, when you started seasoning. Knowing that mentally he could be a little bit fractious or you know spooky or whatever it was, how did you kind of get him used to the rodeos and no exhibitions and no you know the lights and the sounds?
2: Well, you kind of know as a trainer that, that at some point you have to not exhibition first, you got to go cold turkey at some point. So, you know, during the progression of that, and while Juice was still healthy. Um, we would in the jackpots and and not do the exhibition and, you know, have to get yourself set up and get your spot and send him to it and, you know, trust your training. And then it was in March of, uh, 2017 when Jews got hurt and, uh, I was, you know, I planned on entering and wanted, wanted to qualify for the Prairie Circuit. And so Ballard just had to suddenly step up and, and go.
1: And did he just take to it? Like, I got this. He did,
2: he did, he did. It was almost like he was like, oh, okay. I see what you mean. Yeah, I can do this. I mean, it was it was almost audible. He, he was like, yeah, okay, I, I got it.
1: Hold on, hold on, mom, we're going for a ride. Might last a couple yeah. of years.
2: <laughs> yeah, you better get in the middle because it's gonna be fast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so throughout all this time rodeoing, um, How do you help him stay healthy, and what do you do anything on the road to kind of help him feel his best? Obviously, you really pay attention to how much you drive and the miles, but what else do you do to help him, you know, stay in the best shape that he can be in?
2: Well, I I feed that Cool Speed feed, and um, it's it's Cool Speed with a K, and this is going to sound like a commercial, and I don't mean it to, but because it's scientifically proven and it's real. um, I, I have no... Uh, incidence of ulcers. Um, it's it's a stressful. It's so stressful. Not every horse can take it, and, and there's no shame in a horse that fails um, because it is so stressful. But I really attribute it to the Cool Speed feed. Um, I have an incredible farrier, and um, so his feet are right and his belly's right, and um, then it's up to me to to listen to balor and find out when he's, he's stressing and he's worrying i just need to head out and you know go ride in a cornfield or find somebody's got a pasture and just chill and let him go on loose rein or you know you just have to really pay attention you've got to focus on you it's it's not about the facebook highlight reel people it is about focusing on your horse and your horsemanship it truly is
1: So I want to dive in a little bit about the nutrition program, because we actually had a question um, from one of our subscribers that, you know, what is your nutrition program like? And specifically, like, how much do you feed and how much hay? Because we all, I guess a lot of people always say the type, but like, do you, is it a couple pounds a day? You know, what kind of hay? Because I think that is really important, because if they feel good on the road, then you're probably going to run into less issues anyways.
2: So tell oh, us a sure. little
1: bit more about the the Cool Speed Feed and how you feed it.
2: Well, Cool Speed Feed is, um, there's a gentleman named Aaron Custer that is with Mansville Ag in uh, here in Oklahoma and uh, in Mansville, Oklahoma. Um, he started out uh, making feed for bucking bulls. And then uh, his wife and, and daughter at the time were, were barrel racers. And so he formulated a feed for them um, super, super knowledgeable about, uh, plain Jane, normal, you know, my comment is God's a pretty good engineer, I think. And, uh, Aaron just capitalized on what they, what God usually has a horse do, which is eat all day and eat just natural type feeds. So, with that said, Cool Speed is a, a mixture of just a just a normal feed a wild horse might pick up while eating. But, of course, you know, with the performance horse in mind, it's uh, it's got a little more protein and stuff. And hardly any sugar, um, just a good solid, no big deal, uh, you know, no supplements, no... Additives, You know, it's just it's just normal what a horse would eat. And then I use, um, a Valor eats alfalfa, and I think that's a good feed for a horse as long as they don't have an allergy to it. So mm-hmm. I like to pay in front of them all the time because that's, that's how they're designed. They want to keep your head down and eat all day. So the grain is a supplement for calories, and what we ask for them that's not natural, and then I like for them to eat the alfalfa you know he eats it all day and i don't just overdo the alfalfa you know if i feel like he's hungry and needs something else i'll just add grass hay because it's natural for them to eat hay all day or grass of some type but he gets alfalfa night and morning and um one and a half percent uh pound body weight uh on grain is what Coolspeed recommends and i think purina does as well um okay depends on how many calories you actually need a day for your your level of competition.
1: Okay, I—I I mean that really makes sense, and I'm sure you know if if he's not being run a whole lot, do you vary it or is it does it stay yes. pretty consistent?
2: No, you can back off, and and should back off because we don't want them fat. We don't want them too fat. That's not how they're designed.
1: Hmm. So, I like
2: it. Um, you know, if I'm not hammered down, you know, say I'm midsummer, I'm starting July, and I've been on the road since June. Like, I leave my house June 14th this year, and I didn't get back till September 22nd. Um, By July 4th, I'm I'm needing to add some calories for him so he can keep up. Um, And then when I get home, um, he's pretty good for about three weeks, and then I'll back off a little bit because I'm not hauling as much. He doesn't need as many calories. You know, I don't want to fry his brain or, or mess up his belly, so, you know, do the research and, and uh, whether it's Purina or Cool Speed or Blue Bonnet or whatever. Do the research, you know. And I've had great success with Cool Speed. I would recommend it to anybody, but that doesn't mean it's the only feed out there.
1: Yeah, I think that just really goes to show that you have to be in tune to what you're asking your horse. And you know, if you're feeding them like you're running five days a week and you're not, <laughs> then you probably should back off a little bit. Yes. Yes. So you said yeah. no supplements, um, but do you do any other like medicines or therapies, or do you just kind of keep it like simple, keep the horse happy, and he'll stay healthy type of approach?
2: Well, you got to use a good a good dose of common sense, um, and i I appreciate people doing all their their homework. But Cool Speed has so many things in there. For instance, I uh, I won a hair analysis one time in a, in a gift. Package and I sent it in, and there was everything was perfect except there was a little bit of choline um, imbalance. Well, I don't even know what choline is, so I sent it to Aaron Custer, who is the Crispy guy, and he was like, "Well, that's you know, it's it's this level because this is how much choline we put in our feed, and this is how much whatever, um, you know." He He knew. You know, you can't very well pick up the phone and call Purina and find out how much choline they got. So, you know, I'm pretty fortunate to have the Cool Speed guys. Um, But uh, I I just, according to Aaron, I don't really need supplements. There's probiotics in there and there's prebiotics in there. And, you know, I don't know on a cellular level what Valor needs. Mm -hmm. If he's doing well, performing well, and he looks thrifty, he's not losing weight, he's mentally... Together. Um, I'm not going to guess that a um, paste that I buy off a cute little young lady sitting in a, a vendor spot, I, I'm not going to guess that's going to work for him because what I'm doing is cool speed and alfalfa and it's working. And I, I don't know on a cellular level that's going to work. So I don't do supplements unless the vet or the cool speed people say you need to add X amount of whatever.
1: I love that because, I mean, I, I catch myself doing it all the time. I have what I feel works, but then I see something and I'm like, oh, you know what? I better try this. And it's like, well, why? <laughs> why are you trying it? Because whatever you're doing is working. So just, just stick with what works.
2: Well, that's the thing. I mean, you, you can buy a bunch of those supplements because you think that is the right thing. But then there's the carrier. What What's the carrier that they mixed up to put that B one in, or the B twelve in, or the whatever they chose um, calming supplement, whatever. You don't know cellularly if your horse is allergic to that carrier, or if he needs the B one, or if he just thought so. You know, I, I don't know that. And the young lady that sells you that stuff, she's been schooled about what it does, and, and she's a hundred percent honest about what she's saying. But she doesn't know your horse. She doesn't know what his blood work looks like. So for me, I guess I'm not smart enough to know uh, if she's right or wrong. So I just avoid it and it apparently worked, it's worked out.
0: Don't miss next week when we sit down with another NFR qualifier. And we also have another exciting announcement for our listeners, so stay tuned. Don't forget to visit The Money Barrel's Facebook and Instagram. We're doing a Black Friday giveaway, and by simply sharing our post, tagging a friend, and letting us know your favorite episode so far, you could win $100 to use with any of our past sponsors. Thank you to Donna Kay for spending some time with us. Don't forget to check out Top Hand Brand on social media, their website, and on your app store. All right, everyone, run fast, be safe, and we'll see you soon.